0: Hey, welcome to the Articulate Ox podcast where artists talk about the art that made them artistic. I am your host Soma79. Thank you so much for joining me today. My guest today is Mike Hazel, and the topic that we're talking about is Jean-Michel Basquiat. So Mike is a pretty great artist in his own right. He paints, he draws, he's a hip-hop artist, he raps. So check out his stuff on Spotify and check out his social media, all that stuff. I was super glad that that Mike suggested we talk about Jean-Michel Basquiat because he's somebody who's sort of been around my artistic sphere for a long time. I'm familiar with his work. I knew a little bit about him. I was I'm a big fan of Warhol, and there's crossover there, so. It's hard to know about Warhol, don't know about Basquiat, but I feel like I didn't know as much as I should or as much as I could. And just the opportunity to learn more about Basquiat, to watch some documentaries, to study his art a little bit and talk to Mike about it. It really enriched me a lot. And I know he's, Basquiat is somebody who's gonna, it's gonna, it's hard not to be influenced by him, I think and um i don't know i guess i'll do my best to do that in a good way and not a bad way but um it was a i'm better for having i'm better for it for having a better understanding of who basket was so i um, hope you enjoy the conversation with mike definitely check out all of his stuff and um yeah all right peace hey welcome to episode 15 of the articulate ox podcast where artists talk about the art that made them artistic my guest today is artist mike hazel how are you doing today mike
1: i'm doing pretty well
0: you know sunday morning just waking up oh yeah you're lucky it's already four o'clock here it's almost 4 20 here which is ironic because we're talk a little bit about these rolling papers that you helped make with some of my art on it <laughs> Yes, sir. (laughs) Um, The topic you want to talk about today was artist Jean-Michel Basquiat, who, you know, if you don't know who he is, then you're probably living under a rock somewhere. Um, It's funny, in the past, I, I, you know, since we talked about doing this, I, you know, I've been watching a lot of Basquiat documentaries and stuff like that. And just looking around my house, I found this has been on my walls for years. And I never oh, realized okay. that it's the poster from the Warhol Basquiat exhibit. Yeah. It's like 7-L-S right. And then I was watching The Tonight Show last night, and Dave Batista mm-hmm. was on it, and he had the Basquiat crown tattooed right below his ear.
1: And it's, man.
0: it's crazy, man, everywhere. Yeah, the random, crown is man. everywhere. Yeah, so what's <laughs> going on? Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about your art and uh, Basquiat, what's all, what that means to you. What do you mean to you?
1: For sure. Well, um, I could I could tell you, like when I first discovered Basquiat, it was actually looking at an Andy Warhol documentary. And then I saw something um on the suggested on the side on YouTube. And uh I was like, all right, let me check this out. And I'm seeing some like street artists, um, which it wasn't really in the normal format um, that I've seen artists, because at the time I'm like taking art class in high school, probably my senior year. So, like, I'm usually seeing artists like Matisse, Monet, like, you know, like uh, Gorgon, like all these type of people. And so, like, when I'm seeing Basquiat, I'm like, yo, this is crazy because this dude is drawing, like, pretty loose, like, really loose. And, like, drawing on everything, like, on thin pieces of, like, wood from the street, on tires. And, and, like, I I saw that. And uh, I used to be really detailed with my work. So, uh, seeing him do that and then becoming, um, seeing that like let's say he worked with the likes of Andy Warhol, to me it was he became successful in doing that type of style. It um kind of opened my eyes that uh I didn't really have to be so detailed, hyper realistic. I can break loose and uh I actually started working with oil pastels from that point. From that point on.
0: It's funny you mentioned that because I had a very similar experience with Warhol. When I was in my high school art class, we had to do, I think, a project on some famous artist, but everybody was choosing these people who had been dead for, you know, a hundred years. and And it's funny; it was people they talk about. Oh, you know, in their time, they weren't appreciated, but now we know that they're geniuses. And then you look at people like Warhol and Basquiat, who still there are people in their time that were totally unappreciating them, but we all we know they're to be geniuses, and it's. Yeah, it's I, I watched a documentary about him, and they were interviewing some crusty old dude talking about him. And he was like, "Well, you know, his actual art it really didn't. It basically said that his actual art, if you take away his identity and stuff like that, his art contributed nothing." And I'm like, "You have to be out of your goddamn mind."
1: Yeah, because of all the detail that he put in there too. Like, he man, this man, like, uh, he basically documented his journey through like the times that he was living. Not even just on the historical figures, but even just like he would be like reading a book real quick and you could see that inspiration on the on a piece like uh somewhere cut up in in the collab. So it's kind of cool. Like or the words, he'll take some words from a quick thing that he would read. So and it's it's like you can actually educate yourself through history. Um if you just if you just peep in see who these people are that he's writing about. So that's kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, And they would talk too about how he would have words crossed out on the paintings. And the point of that was to drive more attention to them because if it's crossed out, somehow that's more interesting than the thing you're supposed to see. And it's totally true.
1: Yeah. To me, I feel like that, that just like uh, brings your eye to be like, dang, why is that word crossed out? You know, like,
0: yeah, yeah. And, um, there's so much emotion in, in what he does as well. And, uh, the he's one of those artists that i think they're really i would say uncultured could look at and go oh my four-year-old could do that but they have no idea it's it's this there's there's way more going on there than i think is really on the surface level and especially coming out of the time that he did brooklyn he was active from like 78 to 88 in brooklyn it's the time where punk and hip-hop was really you know invading that just coming out of that part of the world yeah and he was right there in the middle of it and yeah
1: yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny how he was so linked with uh Fab Five Freddie, and yes. then that man goes on to being like the MTV, like even even um going to the West Coast. You know, like like I know Fab Five Freddy for that uh NWA the NWA interview that they on the car or something. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like when I seeing him with Bosky, I was like, what? Like you know, when I when I was younger, I was like, right. yo, know, this is crazy, like.
0: Yeah, that yeah. scene was not because Basquiat dated Madonna for a while, which is is yeah. also kind of crazy to think about. Like
1: Yeah, I'll be telling people that it's like, yo, <laughs> this man was right there.
0: Yeah, I know. Madonna, him, uh, Dennis Rod, didn't she date Dennis Rodman? Or maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. She, uh, I
1: know Tupac. She like, I'm yeah, pretty Tupac. sure Tupac.
0: Yeah. Uh Sean Penn. I mean, it's sick. You know, I guess Light's good in Madonna. Um <laughs> But, uh, then again at uh, some of the stuff she does now whatever i'm not going to trash her <laughs> but, yeah it's all good <laughs> yeah it's just it's nuts because that was a time where i actually did a different interview this morning and this this came up a little bit too it was a time where there was really a lot of different cultures really mixing in one area like the cbgbs there was Basquiat selling paintings to deborah harry from blondie and you know andy warhol uh, famously gay man and it, it, there's a time where the media, I mean, the media really lo- loves to separate us. They love to, to, to give us reason, to paint people in a very particular light, like, you know, angry black man or like, you know, fake gay man, or whatever like that. But this was a time where everybody was really together. And it, it wasn't like race was ignored, but there was, a, there was a real melting pot of what I guess America was supposed to be. And it was a time where you could actually afford to live in New York City as an artist, which seems insane now
1: yeah it, it seemed like a mix of culture like what she called like the melting pot it seemed like that was really it was really going on and uh it's kind of crazy like even keith Heron, another artist that we know today he was like right there right beside them you know and uh it's just kind of interesting but it's cool to look back on and uh i'm not gonna lie to take from that i'm like all right let's see the stuff that we're doing today and just kind of keep doing it, but just looking at them people as the models, you know, they they definitely established the culture that I feel like uh, we live and breathe like today. Sometimes, sometimes.
0: Yeah, it's funny, too, because so we talked before about how the art that sort of probably up until maybe the 40s and 50s, it was, you know, they were getting to the obviously people like Van Gogh and Impressionists where things were getting a little, little less like photo, not photorealistic, but that, that sort of style that we saw for many years of the way figures were drawn and portraits were drawn and landscapes were drawn. And then when you got into the 70s, you start getting, it was a lot of canvases with just like straight lines in it. And then eventually there would be canvases that were just white hanging on a wall. Yeah, and, that
1: abstract expression, or that expressionism, yeah. that abstract, you know. Yeah, it went from expressionism like, to abstract, like, complete.
0: Yeah. And then it was being a statement on the abstract. And at that point, like, okay, we're back to a blank canvas. And that was almost the perfect time for people like Warhol and Basquiat to sort of come in. Because, especially with a lot of the stuff you see Basquiat do, he's uses a lot of white space. And, you know, a lot of artists struggle with doing that because the photo, the, the end result looks unfinished. But with him, if it does look unfinished, it does in a very artistic way, like almost like he's maybe even commenting on the idea that a lot of this stuff remains unfinished and thoughts remain unfinished. And, you know, maybe I'm looking more into it because I just watched a bunch of documentaries saying what a genius he is. But it's all right there in the painting, you know.
1: That's pretty interesting because um, I remember when I was coming up and they were like, yeah, man, you can't have any negative space on the piece and I'm like dang that's great. I mean you know and it it really has kind of formed my art to where like all right let me make sure the whole background is covered in a way so um that's kind of interest that's interesting that you bring that up and then and then even like in times where I kind of have played with like uh just keeping it white but um and just kind of making my figure more so be the thing that stands out but yeah it's just kind of crazy yeah yeah that you brought that up.
0: So let's talk a little bit about your art. Um, how long have you been like? What 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 are your favorite mediums to work with? Um, how long you've been doing it for? Like, uh, what do you love? Um,
1: about it? So like, I, I guess uh, my favorite medium right now um, is oil pastel. It's uh, a pretty easy, um, pretty easy medium, and it also oil oil paints and oil pastels to me provide texture and um i'm able to be like a little loose with them um like uh, i like kind of the fact that you could see the brushstroke um with uh with the style, so um oil pastels kind of help me do that stuff in my room whereas oil paints you have to have like turpentine yeah. you have to have a place that you're willing to like you don't mind it getting um painted on and uh yeah, so I've had to like slow down on more so painting, um, and oil pastels has been helping me uh do that, but uh, but yeah, and um, I guess like I've started this journey like from art. I used to really want to be a cartoonist, um, Damn. probably watching like the Pokemon, Dragon Ball Z stuff, and uh, and drawing that too, like just kind of my first figures drawing pokemon like little figures and uh and even goku and stuff like the super saiyan thing and uh and then yeah just trying to advance from that and like even like honestly even when i went to high school i thought i was gonna still be on that path so i like applied to art scholarships and stuff and then, like uh yeah so i've always been on that and like even drawing drawing like uh just drawing in general with graphite and uh like how i said i used to be really trying to be in a uh, trying to get stuff to look realistic so i would uh i used to trace a lot and then i got to a point where i would probably have the thing the image beside me and try to look at it and draw it um and try to draw it perfect and uh that's kind of how i like developed that that um aspect but yeah
0: i did the exact same thing I, I really want to be a cartoonist. I mean, I'm, I'm probably a little older than you. I, mean, I was like super into Garfield as a kid and like the far oh, side. And I would just, in like Ninja Turtle comics, and I would just literally trace them until my hand got comfortable with making those movements. Then you like move it to the side and go, all right, it, do I have the, the, the mental coordination? And the thing that I always, the biggest mistake that young artists make is they push too hard on the pencil. And they they make lines you can't erase, and that's the one thing I wish i could go back and scream myself when I was a kid. Is like just lift it up a little bit, because
1: yeah, be a little lighter. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> that's it's, how it's, I was too.
0: Yeah, it's it's almost like when um you you try to write like a sign on poster board and you start with a huge letter and then by the end you have no space and they're they're tinier. And then the next line do the exact same thing. That was with yeah. me. I'd draw a really deep line first and try to erase it and it would leave the thing there the whole time. And I was like, oh, it'll God, leave I'm a
1: mark and you're know? like, damn, bro. Like that's God, to the
0: exact same thing over and over
1: again. That's too funny. That's really the um the tribulation of that. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's so, kind of how like it developed. But yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so you're used to you mentioned you've got a character that you've been working on. Is that um what we see behind over your shoulder
1: or? yeah. So this uh character right here, um I've developed him probably prior to me moving to Oakland. So about like two years ago, um, like during the little COVID um epidemic and all that. Um I like uh honestly one of my um my art I, I took art classes at that time. At LACC and my art teacher she drew the um basically the basic way that you draw a face you see in all the drawing books and I'm not gonna lie I never did that like I used to always skip the drawing book and just go to the main figure and then just trace it and then just try to draw it so um when I saw her do that um because I had to do it basically to draw like a self-portrait and um I saw her do it and then I soon I started doing it a little bit on my own side pieces and I kind of just liked how oh yeah I can actually get the um basically the the um type of de- depth death or perspective perspective that I was looking for um because of those lines so I started um basically drawing this character and um be- like uh, drawing like particular features and uh I'm really into rhythm and repeating things. So, um, I kept repeating it like on different other pieces and kind of, um, keeping similar motifs. So like changing the color of the hair, changing the color of the eyes and even the lips. Um, if it's like a piece with, a uh, here, I'll show you an example, but like, if it's a piece of a couple of them, like yes. on the, on the piece, the lip color will even be different. And like, no eye color will be the same. No hair color will be the same. And, uh. The piece I just showed you on a paper pack, like that was the original. They never had bodies, so um, maybe a year ago I started um drawing bodies on them, and like you'll always see them with like a gold chain, like a uh, they'll they'll um they'll probably be like always like melanated. But it's kind of funny because when I was young, I never could draw like a uh, a brown person because like uh I was drawing with pencil. So like that would be removing my the marks that I was making for detail on pencil. Yeah. So like um, it's kind of cool being able to do that now, and uh, but yeah, those are the things I like always implement like the gold um icon iconography to going back to like Egyptian people to like n- um now the rappers and now just normal people on the day to day, just kind of also uh, showing us in the form of like royalty or um of rich heritage okay. even if it's not like too you know too uh glossy like he don't got a mink coat on you know he has a right, graphic right. t-shirt right. yeah
0: you don't have to be from wakanda to like you know fully <laughs> but like <laughs> i mean the mentioned the thing about royalty that crown comes back to a lot of um Basquiat's work and that, the Basquiat was,
1: motif. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, that was my understanding of where that that sort of came from is the idea of um you know black royalty you know and, it definitely and, and I, I I have to assume the Biggie Smalls crown had to have been oh, I mean, sure. that was basquiat inspired, I'm sure. I don't, I don't know who was the first person to put that all together. Actually, I think I just saw that, that I just saw an article about that person. But um yeah, I mean also from Brooklyn.
1: Yeah, that makes very much sense Dang, That's crazy.
0: Yeah. And I don't know that we I mean, I probably there probably were calling rappers King of New York prior to Biggie. I mean, I'm betting maybe Big Daddy Kane or someone like that, but I don't remember hearing um, Because I was, like, maybe, like, uh, I was, like, maybe 17 when Biggie died, I think. I think it was, like, 97. So, like, I I don't remember them referring to rappers before anybody as the king of New York. So, I mean, someone could correct me on that. But, I mean, that would be kind of interesting if that was if that was tied back to Basquiat, too. If he was the first one and it was because of the work they the, the painting and stuff. I, I might be fucking up the time order there. But, hey, I mean, that um, you might
1: be right, though, because I watch a lot of hip-hop documentaries and they talk about how, like, Nas used to be a... Uh talking about that who's the king of new york like you yeah. would bring it bringing that conversation to rap but you know biggie definitely was like on that too so like uh it's just kind of interesting it probably did pop up right around that time yeah and you and you know Bascia probably was a little like i mean he's like a little older than jay-z so and coming from brooklyn you know that same area same neighborhood you know they definitely seen the crown
0: yeah I just saw too, and I think this was maybe a couple of years ago, but Beyonce, I believe, bought Jay at basket for thirty five million dollars. Which I don't know if that that's was 30. before or after the elevator fight, but um, <laughs> that that's it's amazing because he, he said in one of the documentaries. I mean, he started selling stuff for a few thousand dollars, and you know, he started his career in seventy eight. Probably didn't start selling until I'd guess the early, you know, eighties. Seriously. And then as time went on, I mean, he had a show where he sold out everything. And one night, I'm guessing he probably walked away with six or seven figures in the 80s, which, you know, um, Lord knows what that is now.
1: But They they say that sometimes, like, uh, in this one apartment, like, he used to stay at somebody's apartment, and, like, he would be finding, like, money, and they could <laughs> still find money in books and stuff. I'm like, yo, that's crazy. Like, he's not even here no more. And, like, yes. that's years ago, bro. I've been traveling They're the world, and finding, yeah. finding money from New York shows.
0: Like, yeah. But it's like it's literally the epitome of the metaphor of having so much money, you don't know what to do with it. Because literally yeah. he's like, I don't even know where to put it. Like, you know, and it's that that's a wild, you know. Obviously, he passed away young at the age of 27, as you know, way too many brilliant artists do. Um, who yeah. knows? It's it's pretty remarkable how much he left behind, considering how long he I think he left behind over a thousand paintings and over a thousand drawings and
1: yeah wow. i saw that today like um over like 2000 paint 2000 yeah. pieces so like that definitely it's
0: it's wild it's um i don't know man have you ever ever got a chance to see one in person
1: yeah definitely uh my uh first time actually was at the ogden in new orleans um it was like a free show and uh they had like uh some of his pieces that uh I think they were like a king, it said King Zulu on it. And they were like big blue background pieces. And um they would have like small little faces on them. And um it was actually more it seemed like it was before he was getting to where he was like really breaking up everything and everything. But um I think it said he just took a trip to New Orleans to the bayou and um he had did some pieces while he was there. So I saw that. Um, one that says zydeco it was like pretty big and it's funny because um going back to where I I found out he would just be seeing things and painting them when I lived in New Orleans I would always see that word zydeco and I'm from the east coast too I never saw that word in my life so like to see that he put that on a painting it showed me all right bro like seeing he took some inspiration from it and um it's but a yeah, type like, of music,
0: right? It's it's a type of yeah, music that's particular to that area. Yeah, because I I barely and only know it through the influence of that area too. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. It's a type of music. Um, when I went to jazz festival, they had like a whole section full of all different Zydeco artists. So I was like, oh, that's crazy. Like, like I used to love that about um New Orleans for real. And uh, so yeah, that was my first time. But <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie, I'm a museum junkie. Like I'll go to any gallery. I okay. saw like uh he has pieces at the Broad um in LA um I I lived in LA for like a little bit um he has uh, I saw his some of his pieces in New York I'm not sure if they were at the MoMA but I definitely went to the MoMA and um and I'm pretty sure he has pieces there but I definitely saw his pieces in New York too um I even saw this little uh this little small gallery in uh Beverly Hills they had like some of his prints on it so I've seen that too yeah I'm 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 a junkie like for for that type of stuff
0: it is pretty remarkable that when you see these pieces of art in front of you they do become so much more real laying like, there's you can when you actually like oh this literally has their DNA on it I mean their skin flaked off onto this <laughs> like
1: you know that man really painted that one yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, and it's funny because I, I, when I was younger, I got a chance to go to, to the Louvre in, in France, and I saw the Mona Lisa, oh, and shoot. it, it was as unimpressive as people like to say it is because it's tiny and behind glass and stuff like that. But I've never had that experience <laughs> seeing. Um, I went to this Warhol and Banksy museum in Amsterdam a few years back. Oh, and, true. man, it was absolutely phenomenal. It's like there's they're just so big, and they're just so close to you, and there's just so many of them, and you're just you're overwhelmed by it and it, it felt like what it must have it was in this kind of small house near the Van Gogh Museum over there and it, it gave you the probably the closest feeling what it'd be like to be in like the Warhol factory where there was just um you're overwhelmed by how much was there it's
1: oh, them prints yeah that's that's the thing too it's kind of dope that you saw them in Amsterdam um, saw them over there because uh I know that they have a lot of um love for the art and especially those artists like Warhol and like uh like uh, just them them uh pop artists type of uh, yeah. artists, and even like a little bit um before that. So that's dope that you got to see that.
0: Yeah, um, it is nice because I mean I would say in general, from a cultural perspective, Europeans on average may have better taste. You know, I was I was um engaged to somebody from the Czech Republic for like a decade, so like I've I got to, I got to spend some time over there, and it's like they seem to have more appreciation for things that are a little off center. And, you know, over here, I think we're a lot more capitalist and a lot more of like, well, is this going to sell to the mainstream bullshit? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, yeah, there isn't like the U.S., when it comes to actual real cultural relevance, I don't think the U.S. has really cranked out a ton of that in our lifetime. And I think hip hop is probably one of the biggest cultural exports of the United States. And Basque clearly, um, as a painter you know, one of the biggest as well, along with Warhol, but I mean, there aren't like, it's not like we could rattle off 50 of these names, you know? I mean, cause you know, we talk about someone like Jay-Z or Biggie, we could rattle off 50 other rappers that have had a huge influence, but like there aren't that many of these other artists. Like it's it's, it's truly remarkable that, I mean, I think Banksy's the other one that comes to mind, but in my lifetime, there's only really a few that I think are gonna have that sort of dis- distance in them, their career or their legacy, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's crazy that you would think about that, because in my mind, as you were talking, I'm thinking about, like, uh, Jackson Pollock and Rothko, but then I'm like, nah, that's actually more in the Andy Warhol school, so, like, thinking about more of the 80s and stuff, I could really only think of Keith Haring, Keith yep, but that could know. be me being limited. I'm young, you know? So yeah, still, I'm sure like,
0: there's people, others, too, I just, but, like, his... But and- still,
1: like, you're right, though, it's not, like, a big populace that we could just easily, oh, that person, that person, that person, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: It's real hard. It's real, especially because a lot of art education is about teaching you the basics of, you know, this is how you draw a face and this is how you do a sunset. It's real hard to come up with something new as a visual artist that people haven't seen before. I mean, it's like nowadays, a lot of it's done in video because all of us now have the ability through after effects to do things you can never do in your home before. But when you're talking about paint on a canvas, we're still talking about essentially the same technology that's been around since cavemen painted on walls. So to find a new way to do that that's innovative is really, really, really hard. I tried. I came up with nothing.
1: (laughs) It's funny that you say that because uh, sometimes, um, let's say like around 2017, I got to the point where I was going to art shows and like, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, it's going to be five people who paint celebrities here. It's going to be five people who do this, like, you know, and, and then like some people who are doing the Basquiat type Are like you know and then not to knock it and everything but it just kind of shows that um we all like yeah it's just like yo it's kind of derivative of off of something more more than trying to create a new but when we do see those things that are creating the new it's like all right for sure people are still like out here like uh mirakami to me like he's definitely like uh somebody where like with his color and his character actually um one of the inspirations for me wanting to have a character for real but like he's like pretty um unique but he's like a little older too but uh but still it's just kind of cool when we do find those those type of things
0: yeah yeah, yeah. and as you say that it makes me think that some of the ones of our generation that probably will have the lasting impacts are like like Jack Kirby if you're not familiar with him I don't know he was mm-hmm. He was the guy he was basically what stanley was to write in comics jack kirby was to draw in comics so okay. he basically did almost any comic style you see from like the 60s and 50s and 70s was either jack kirby or jack kirby inspired he would do this thing where he drew these really detailed scenes but instead of starting with drawing the character he would just start in the corner of the page and draw the whole scene like from the corner expanding out which I tried doing that a few times you get some wild results but it's not easy especially when you're when you're someone who's being paid by the page like you, you think you really want to get it right you gotta be
1: amazing. Yeah that's crazy that's uh <laughs> you have to have an imagination of what you could see it as being complete first.
0: Yeah, before you yeah. Start. And I think too a lot of what I did this project um it's funny we talked before about drawing faces I was trying to do this um I found this this photograph of Dwayne the Rock Johnson holding a koala bear that I just loved and it was just like a great photograph and I just I just saw something in it so I decided I was going to make this big piece about it and I did this um I kind of decoupage like newspaper and articles and stuff in the background and then I tried to draw and paint that over it and every time I drew it it looked like Barack Obama and i was like what this is driving me nuts so i just stopped doing on doing it and i decided for a whole year i was going to draw a portrait every day for a year so i in like 2015 i drew 365 portraits and um i learned a few things one is you're going to get as good as you, you you're ever going to get by about the third month so i probably should have quit but like um you kind of have to learn the rules to break them to some to some degree
1: that's very key man very key yeah. <laughs> No, it's funny because when you're talking about the art history too, I was like, Yeah, man, it's true. All the art classes that, like, until my senior year, where we're taking art history and I'm learning about the Renaissance period, yeah. the Gothic period, the Baroque period, and all this stuff. I'm like, Yo, what the heck? I've never heard of none of this stuff in my life. Like, and uh, and like, uh, it kind of breaks you out of just pop art impressionism abstract expressionism like it it breaks you of like oh dang and then the history of like well baroque was way more elegant details whereas gothic was pretty dark like you know and that's kind of why the Goths of these days you know dressing all black that comes from someone something way back in the 1400s like you know like in uh the renaissance period was like basically the beginnings of before they even started to do all of that. So it's kind of like you like how you say you got to learn um even even like and I guess uh when I was in college I tried to make more opportunities to take more art history classes like uh and that got me to learn it about like collectives like the De or like the Bauhaus movement like uh them people who were like uh you would basically see like uh, a red, um yellow and blue uh, I want to say Madrian may might have been inspired by the Bauhaus movement, but you'll see, like, these chairs that would be, like, red. They basically created a whole house using uh, just these colors, red, yellow, and blue, and everything, and then white and black just to, like, uh, you know, and I was seeing people break out the mold way back in the past, and I think that that was kind of opening my perspective Um, being in, like, maybe 2015, not seeing not even hearing about none of that the most extreme thing is like a basquiat like you know or like going back to seeing like a monet or rothko and stuff and like actually learning about it or learning like oh yeah the color he's using the color to evoke emotion so that probably will like uh train you to now like be a little bit more uh, mindful about the colors you use or like uh When I learned about like
0: theory is fascinating. Like you can learn a lot in a in a very short period of time studying. There's you can you go forever doing it, but like just taking an hour to study it once will get you way further than you were. That's
1: exactly that's what I was gonna say too. Like when I first learned about primary colors and then uh I forgot them secondaries and then just seeing like okay, this color is directly across from that color. So like you can see this right here, it's probably gonna make that color pop. Like, and that's been, I've been carrying that a lot since high school, but it's like, if I never knew that, I probably would have never done that. So that kind of goes back to like, you got to know the rules to be able to try to break them. And right. uh, yeah,
0: and just the emotion that comes with each color and just how easy it is. To kind of, because in some ways, I kind of like in doing a painting and doing a drawing, almost like a magic trick, because you're essentially taking nothing and creating something out of it. And you're trying to make, you're trying to like magically make somebody feel something. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times, if you just, if you don't start off with a preconceived notion, you don't know what you're going to feel when you see it at the end. But after you've done that a bunch of times, then you start having a better control over like, Oh, like this will kind of lead in this direction. Then you go too far and you're making propaganda posters, but it's, um, it is really amazing how much, how much you can influence somebody with just an image.
1: Yeah, that's, that's true. And, uh, it's kind of funny that you talk about that because, uh, when I was seeing these Basquiat things, I was like, man, this man, uh, uses a lot of symbols too. And, uh, That was another thing that intrigued me because I used to like uh, (laughs) I used to like things like the Illuminati and seeing like, oh, what is this eye? Like, you know, and then seeing oh, it's a whole thing like in a whole wormhole and just like look like kind of understanding the nature of symbols and where they came from. And like uh, like subconscious meanings of something that you would just basically blatantly see and just kind of that would be teaching me to like look above the surface and, and stuff. But yeah,
0: yeah, and because great art rewards you the more you look at it too. Like you know, I think everybody's gone back to watch a movie that they saw when they were in high school and realized that it sucked. And then there's the exact opposite of when you go back and you see something you've never you never seen in it before. Like this is kind of a lame example, but this movie Eyes Wide Shut it was Stanley Kubrick's last movie, and it, it just it came out when I was in film school, and I just I must have seen it twenty or thirty times, and I just I watched it two months ago and I saw something I've never seen before, and that's it's that's what you that's what this what you strive for, you know.
1: It's like the Lil Wayne verse. <laughs> Every time you listen to that, you go ahead, Oh
0: so. yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny. Um, our concept was the one who put me on a little. I had a thing with little Wayne for years where I never, I couldn't get into him. And I'm a huge hip hop. I mean, I'm, I'm a rapper too. I'm a huge hip hop. For some reason, I wasn't. I think I was playing the wrong stuff. But I kept seeing people like Royce the Five Nine being like, he's in my top five, and I'm like, okay, then I must be missing something because like <laughs> I trust him. And then, but concept. I think I forget what album he told me to check out, and I, I listened to it one day. when I was riding my bike, and I'm like, okay, yep, yeah, I'm on board now. <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what's up. That's yeah. that's what's up. Yeah, took growing me a long up time with
0: Cameron too. He was the other one that I it took me a long time to come around to. I'm like, oh, where have you been my whole life?
1: <laughs> I felt like uh, for me, Lil Wayne was like uh, the god MC growing yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Like it was crazy. People in DC having dreads just because of Lil Wayne. Yeah, hey, I'm about to turn my light on real quick.
0: All right, go for just, it.
1: It's getting a little dark. Alright, cool. But yeah, right.
0: that's uh, actually worth talking. So you you've mentioned a bunch of places that you've lived that you've lived. Um, what have the different art scenes been like in those those different areas of the country? Like, how are they different? Where, what what do you uh, find most inspirational? Like, I don't know, what do you got?
1: That, that's interesting that you uh talk about that because that's something that when I go to these different places, I like definitely try to see the differences. But um. Um, when I went to New Orleans, let's say that was the first place that I lived that was different. Um, there art I saw like people doing art on like a piece of granite, like a sl- granite slab, and selling it outside the quarter, and just seeing people more so selling art outside, and like uh people doing art that's more so celebrating like the touristy like uh thing that they know that people are coming to see. Like people are coming to see their city, so they're mastering painting their city. Um, that was something I really saw. Like going, uh, walking on Julia Street, and even, yeah, just all, all throughout. Like, um, I'm not gonna say Bourbon, but like, uh, throughout Canal Street, you'll see these galleries that all have like new, um, art of actual New Orleans. Um that New was New Orleans cool.
0: just has so many like this the images come to your mind instantly you like like yeah, trees exactly. and the the, the building the, the Louis Armstrong era and this so I was much gonna say those jazz stuff. characters yeah. too. Yeah. yeah there's such vivid imagery from that area.
1: And um that was like that was that. And then when I went to LA, it was exactly what you would think, like uh the sleek movie advertisements. Yeah posters everywhere and this like big colors like uh i saw that and that would really stood out though like it wasn't like something i was just you know it really stood out and uh and even just like some of the some of the art like uh, i would say yeah i guess i kind of saw some of the bright colored art being in california and uh then i want to say when i took a trip up to san francisco it was kind of funny because uh I forgot this guy's name. I think it's Thorbold or something, but he does these big uh pieces that are like uh if it's like a piece of ice cream, it's like really bright blue, really bright pinks and like really um it looks like you can taste it and uh it kind of reminded me of the Andy Warhol pop art type of um era feel. But just a new spin on it. It kind of told me, like, yo, y'all like knew about that, but y'all also were masters of art. So like, uh, you guys brought it, and then it, and then kind of back to the L.A.'s type stuff too, the movie type thing, the Candy Girl, you know, beat. Um, like I felt like that beach culture, the Beach Boys. Yeah. I always think of that when I think of California, and like, uh, I think that when I see the art, I could kind of see that um present in it too sometimes. And, and, uh, this, this guy also has like these big pieces of like, uh, these big hills and tall streets. And, uh, that's very, um, true about San Francisco. It's like when you're walking on these streets, you're like, man, yeah, I'm hiking, I'm hiking up this big hill. That That's the reason why yeah. some people don't even go to San Francisco. And it's like 10 minutes away, like, like, you know, because of these hills. So it's kind of funny seeing that in the art. So yeah, that's that's good. and and then I can't I can't not talk about Oakland too. Um, Oakland, um, it kind of brought me back to like thinking about the New Orleans, uh, local art scene culture. Where like I'm not trying to say people doing with what they have, but it's like given the means of the situation of the city, p- artists are thriving. So like whether it's graffiti or just um a lot of self taught artists and stuff. So that was that's cool too. Yep.
0: Oakland's always felt like sort of like kind of kind of the soul of 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 um California because like I've been to LA a bunch I've been to San Francisco um LA I'm sort of pretty mixed on because it's like it's a pain in the ass to get around everywhere and there's like I don't know there's uh, it's San Francisco is amazing but I mean Oakland produces a lot of good art a lot of good hip-hop like you know yeah the artists that come out of here is funny yeah a lot of good punk um it's, you know, fortunately can't keep the Raiders there for too long, but, you know, maybe you'll get them back someday. I don't know.
1: I mean, to me, it's kind of like the tell of every city that's like that. It's like it always generates like great art, but like um because of maybe the infrastructure of the city and like the history, like, you know, um it's always having its own little battles. And uh I guess it's kind of crazy because I've lived in New Orleans and Oakland, and to me, I kind of see a, a a similar narrative, and I, I mean, I'm from D.C. too. Like, I'm from Maryland, really, but uh, I've I've my aunt even like had a shop um across from Howard University, so I've always been in in and out of D.C. I like went to school in D.C. too for middle school, so like uh, I've and spending weekends, so I saw that similar narrative even there where the White House
0: is, like, yeah, you know. Yeah, the area around the White House has gone through a lot of changes over the years. Uh, it's, um, yeah, it's DC is a he's, he's a strange city. Yeah, but,
1: it's uh, it's just interesting. But um, but it's and, cool that how you keep kind of mentioning punk too. Yeah, because um, I, I love a lot of you know, DC
0: punk. I love like Fugazi and Minor Threat and all that shit. That's what my brain is going to.
1: It's funny how you know about that, bro. I didn't know nothing about that. Like oh, somebody well. in New Orleans. Like, was like, hey, bro, check out this uh, documentary about the bad brains. And I'm yes. like, all right, bro. And like, <laughs> yeah, I checked that out. I'm like, yo, they from D.C.? And then yeah. uh, I see dude has a North Face coat on while he's doing all that stuff. I'm like, oh, he's definitely from D.C. That's, cr- that's crazy. Like, yeah, I-, I never knew nothing about that
0: yeah there's lots of good dc music uh dc like punk and hardcore music it's um i don't know i never i've unfortunately never got to go to any shows down there i've only ever been there for just like lame like work reasons but um it's it's a cool city yeah um uh-huh. so you do a little music too don't you
1: yeah, yeah, I'm also into music. Yeah,
0: I checked out some of your tracks. I asked, Don't you? as if I hadn't already listened to your music.
1: <laughs> it's all good, it's for yeah. the people, you know.
0: <laughs> so, how what got you into? Um, because I'm, I'm someone myself that I can't, I don't like just working in one media. I, I like doing music, I like doing whatever. It's just whatever, however, I want to express myself that day. What got you into doing music? Did that come after doing art, or um, where does that fit into your uh creative journey?
1: Yeah, I'll say that that definitely came after doing art but around the same time so like um in elementary school I'm more so drawing and stuff but then also in elementary school I start me and my friends who like uh like they would come over my house and uh Anthony especially he would show me like a lot of like uh Lil Wayne deep cuts like leather so soft or me and my drink and I'm like in elementary school like hearing about this and like uh and then, like, they they would kind of, we would kind of be, like, uh, freestyling sometimes. Or, like, uh, that's kind of when we found out about, like, oh, you can type in instrumental after the song on yeah. YouTube. And then you have a whole beat. So, we would just be, like, uh, going on sound, putting, pushing, like, sound recorder on Windows. And, like, having a mic by the speaker and just rapping, like, on our Friday nights. And, like, recording it. So, like, and that was probably, like, around fifth grade. So like ever since then, I've been on that journey. Um, e- even to where like uh Anthony sometimes would hang out with my family, and like we'll go to North Carolina. And one time we went to Radio Shack to try to buy a mic, and uh the dude who's selling us a mic, he's like, "Oh y'all, y'all rap," <laughs> and like <laughs> we're probably like in sixth grade or something at this yeah. time. And this man's like, yeah, y'all rap or whatever. And you're like, we're like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, man, I, I got a record label, man. And uh here's here's BCD, And he gave us a CD of beats. And oh, like man. uh even on that beat, that beat tape, we got like uh um we started to formulate a group at, at um while this time was going on, like me, uh Mike, Anton, Anthony, uh Nemo, uh, Nemo Nino, uh, Emer, and Devon, um, and Ronte. And uh, even my homie Davon in Virginia, so like uh, we started to like we all were into this, and uh, and I remember me and Ronte got this song called O A Bait, cause he would be coming over my house too, and he actually would be playing Pokemon, so that's why he would be coming over my house and everything. So like uh, we we made O A Bait, we got a song called Put Me On Your Top, cause uh, that was back when MySpace came out. Oh, so like. <laughs> We always we are like so. Even since then, it's just been a continuation of like what's already been going on, yeah. And yeah. putting myself in direction to continue to achieve that goal, yeah.
0: What do you um? What do you get out of making music that you may not get out of doing the other art? Like, is there an element of that that you find particularly appealing, or that's different?
1: Yeah. So that's the thing with um music. I can actually tell my actual story with art, I don't think that I can tell that. I can tell like snippets of it. You can see that I like this. You can see that I'm kind of inspired by this. And these things that you may kind of can only hear me talk about in the music, but in the music, I can tell you about like, yo the times, like I can tell you about them times when we was making music and stuff. Or like, I can tell you how we got to this point. I can, uh, and I love that. I love that. Um And then also you don't have to know me to be able to feel kind of what i'm trying to say in the music whereas like sometimes in the art um i used to be very um abstract with my art honestly like uh used to and definitely with that basquiat inspiration um and with the abstract art you couldn't really i had to really tell somebody oh yeah you know i was thinking about this and that and that but it's like bro if i'm dead and gone you ain't never gonna know what that piece is about
0: like i went through the same phase
1: yeah 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 so that's, that's kind of like really it like um I love that's that's I I, I like that you asked me that question because I never thought about that
0: so what um are you working on anything new now
1: yeah so um currently with these these um well I would say right now I've been um I've had like a let's say I had an art show this week and I had a, another art show like two weeks ago. I'm um, trying to get these characters more into the public and uh, in the spaces that I'm inhibiting in Oakland and SF trying to just um bridge, my, make my stamp um in the in these local spaces that I've kind of already done in other um cities in the past so like that's that's my goal with the art but um with music i'm working on this project called uh, thank god for food stamps basically uh it was uh it's all produced by a producer named Laudestro and um how i met this guy he uh he would be sending me emails um or whatever of his beats and then uh i basically hit him up that i wanted them and then uh he he told I he asked me where or I think I asked him where he was from because I like to I like to work with people and also see where this is at because that also is kind of like a um a assessment of where my reach is getting to now mm-hmm. and uh he happened to say yo I'm from Oxon Hill Maryland and I was like yo what and I I'm from Oxon Hill so like mm-hmm. uh that was really dope that like yo I'm outside of the I'm not even in Maryland and able to work with this guy so like. That was more motivation to keep rapping on his beats. And uh, so I'll say, like, this past year, like, uh, 2022 and 20, yeah, 2022, I rapped on a lot of Loudestro beats. And at the end of it, he, he uh, around Black Friday, he was like, yo, y'all, like, uh, just want to let y'all know um, I'm about to do a release, of uh, beat deal, all the beats that I've been sending all year, plus a couple new. Are gonna be available for 150 and everything. And uh, for me, it was a hassle to having to be like, "Dang, bro! I know I wrapped on like, hello, this dude's beats, and I like these songs. I want to put them out, but I now gotta have the investment yeah. and uh, him doing that. It's like, dang, bro, bro. Um, opened up 166 beats basically for 150, yeah. and uh, I, ins- I was, I-, I was inspired to just say, all right, let me just use some of these for a tape. And so that's kind of where the genesis of Thank God for Food Stamps came from. And then, um,
0: yeah. When do you think that's going to be? Is that out now or is that coming out soon? Uh,
1: no, nah, it's um, so it is coming out soon. I don't want to say like within its t- next two months, but uh, I will say that I've recorded every song. Um, One song, uh, Diamonds, I'm kind of now debating if I want to put it on the project. Um. Because it's a little different, but that, and then just awaiting uh, um, verses, and then just kind of, I'm going to be in my mixing phase right now. But one thing, I've released so much music that at this point, I know that, yo, I need to have a rollout where maybe have launch a video before I drop this, on, Like, maybe have, like, photos that I know that I don't have to, like, while I already dropped the project, now try to do the photo run. Like, how about I just already get all that? taken care of and while i'm in this time i'm also making new music but uh i'm but my main focus is to ultimately drop thank god for food stamps and uh it's 2023 which is 10 years since uh I, i've been releasing music uh on soundcloud so i'm also releasing a project called thank god for soundcloud which uh is is to commemorate the fact that like without soundcloud I would not have able to been able to uh release all of the music that I've released up to this point and I have I do release on on Spotify as well but uh SoundCloud was just like a open doors policy and it's like yo I clearly I'm doing this for the love of it I don't want the money right now it's just can y'all hear it out hear me out and uh because I've been doing that for 10 years now I've been seeing the rewards looking back on it so uh thank God for SoundCloud is something that, uh, after I recorded most of those for thank God for food stamps, I've been, I've been kind of building up thank God for SoundCloud and, uh, some of those, um, I'm like recording a verse. And then if I have a open verse, I'll send it out to different people, like, in uh, who've been on my journey and, uh, definitely like some people who like, if you're in the Dolawan community, you will probably know about them and everything. So, uh, I'm trying to do that just to now encapsulate showing people, yo, I'm not just me. It's a, it's every, it's all of us, and that's what. Uh, so I've been kind of like working on that. Thank God for SoundCloud, and then just release recording a couple of like uh inspirations, just because. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I'm at this point where I know I'm gonna release. Thank God for food stamps, but uh, it's like I already got the project good. So let me just try to. Like how you we talk about Basquiat has two thousand pieces of uh artworks and even like a uh, a Picasso I'm pretty sure he's at like seven seven k to ten k or something yeah so uh, I'm knowing that if I can continue um recording and put in my journey in these songs no matter who hears them they're still gonna be here and everything and uh yeah so that's kind of what I'm really working on right now and and uh showing people on Instagram these songs showing them that they're real and everything but but not really caring too much about that, just more so the creation of the art and uh re- connecting to real people yep,
0: yeah, that's huge man it's um. I just got back into music the past few years. And it's for a lot of those same reasons that I felt that for a lot of my life, I didn't, wasn't expressing who I was. And then that gave me the opportunity to finally do that. And when I didn't start releasing it, I was like, Oh, why did I stop doing this? Or why didn't I feel like I could do this when I used to, because I used to be in hip hop groups, like in the early two thousands. And then I quit for like 10 years and started the pandemic again. But like that, that instantly came back to me. I was like, Oh, this is what I missed about this is the mm-hmm. connection to people. And yeah,
1: that's 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 dope. Uh, that uh, throughout the pandemic, you found a uh, even deeper connection for to with people. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I think it'd be the opposite, but you know. Yeah. Um, it's funny when you said um, waiting on verses. I I think some I felt a little part of me die inside because that is sort of the worst part of making a thing, is that like waiting on verses for me is is painstaking. Yeah, because and it's like it's funny because I've been trying to write this a couple verses that I'm working on now for the past like month and I'm just not getting anywhere. And then I'm like, but when someone else is supposed to owe me a verse, I'm just like sitting here like tapping my desk. you know, you're a professional. Just do this. <laughs> I don't know.
1: It's, it's funny. Just... Yeah, like that. That thing is kind of like um has driven me to be like, yo, all right, instead, because I I'm I tend to have a vision. I come from like a, uh, you know, the mixtape era of like from Little Wayne to like now Cur- currency to Wiz Khalifa to like all these people and, and uh even to Kendrick Lamar's and Schoolboy yeah. Q's people putting out concept bodies of work J Cole's and like uh I come from that uh string of cloths, so when I envision a project i'm like yo maybe i want a woman on this uh project like um i want a woman on this song specifically and like probably i know who she is so i send it and like uh and and i'm i really will want to get that to be released or sometimes i'll be like yo, I want my dude devon cassells because me and him really came up with the rebel camp stuff so i'm gonna send it to him and yeah like it'll be a waiting thing but i know like because I want that vision, it's like yo, I gotta, I gotta feed the streets with some other stuff. So yeah. like, yeah, that's kind of where it's like, all right, let me just make some more, some other things. So, uh, so I'm not like really feeling reliant. And then also my, uh, my, my base, they actually don't even have to know that all that's going on, like you know. So it, it kind of like um eases some of the pressure. Well, I try to, I try to, I try to do that. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's cool, man. So who who were yeah, I mean you just rattle off a bunch of the best MCs from the past you know 20 years. Um, <laughs> yeah,
1: 15, who, 20, yeah. Uh,
0: what do you what were your earliest memories of rap?
1: Um man, my, my earliest memory, it's funny I was thinking about this. Uh maybe uh the hard singing the hard knock life song. It's a hard knock okay. life for uh, us. That's... Yeah, and then oh, yeah. uh I want to say, I remember my brother when we was in North Carolina, he was saying that hip hop, hippie, the hip hop, and I never heard nobody say that, and I heard him and my mom, my mom was like, nah, it's, it's hip hop, the hippie, hip hop, and don't stop the rock to the back like, my mom was getting it, and he was trying to learn it, I'm like, yo, what, and, uh, like, it's always been around, and then, uh, yeah, just, like, just things like that, and then, uh, by the point by the point where my homie is introducing me to the Lil Wayne, I'm already uh I'm already tapped in type, type shit. I'm 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 like loving the radio and like yeah going down south and being like, yo, I'm hearing songs earlier. Like when yeah. I would go to North Carolina, I would hear songs and then maybe two, three months later, I would hear them I would hear them in Maryland. Yeah. Yeah
0: that was a crazy time because radio wasn't like that anymore because the same company owns like every radio station. So they just play the same shit everywhere. And it's like, uh, it's, I mean, cause I remember some of my earliest memories were listening to a small college station that had one of the best hip hop in Boston. Emerson college had a great hip hop oh, yeah. show that was on most nights. And it was like, there was nowhere, nowhere else in 1991. I was going to hear, you know, Pete rock and CL smooth and like intelligent hoodlum and all this stuff on the radio, really anywhere. And it's just, it's 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 that stuff's gone. Now. I mean, obviously the internet's there. I guess I don't know. It's, it was a different time, but it was a godsend for me. I mean, just the idea, like the radio when I was a kid was the only outlet I had to the outside world. We didn't have cable. We like had like five channels and rabbit rabbit ears, but the radio was the only the only place where my world got any bigger because I, I came from a very small town. And
1: um, you say you were seventeen.
0: Uh, well, I'm. I was born in '79, so I mean, I, I might be thinking back to even like I, well, I guess it was '91. I was more like 10, or less. Man,
1: that yeah, that's that. It's it's interesting because uh, I like watch them documentaries, so it's cool to see that like, dang, you really it really was people listening to just when that yeah. channel came on and.
0: Phew, and it's like I mean, I came from. I mean, there were I was. There was I, I had a graduating class of maybe eighty eight kids, and you could probably count the number of people that weren't white on you know one hand. So it was like it was basically like you listen to Metallica or you got made fun of to some degree, and it, and so when I found anyone else who knew anything about rap music, it was it was the most amazing thing because I'm like it was almost like we were comparing notes. And you're like oh you found a hip hop radio video show that's on at two in the morning on channel thirty eight. Can you tape it for me? And it's just like. It was just, it was, that's where I think I found one of my first communities in life was, was through hip hop and through, I mean, it was more the love of hip hop and, you know. Yeah, I could say the
1: same too. Like, uh, when you find those people, it's like, oh, you're putting me on to something or like, uh, I remember in study hall, me and my homie would go to like HD mixtapes and like download a lot of music and then we would just share each other like, oh man, you heard this one though? Like, you know.
0: Yeah yeah oh man it's i I got back into doing that for my girlfriend this year for christmas i actually made her a cassette mixtape
1: um oh, made up
0: of all my old cassette mixtapes it was like all these like songs that i taped off of like that that college radio station like 1991 that i then made a modern tape for her with it um man. So i think i was more like doing it for myself <laughs> but like I... some,
1: nostalgia, some nostalgia in there but you still that's cool though
0: yeah, but I mean that. I just that's some of my happiest childhood memories of all around hip hop and just you know the small community I was able to grow around it. You know, yeah, I,
1: I would say, um, man, when I was in high school, I read this book about like the hip hop poetics or the poetics of hip hop or something, and like uh, that's when the writers started to talk about uh Nas and Lauryn Hill in hip hop and uh. Yeah. It kind of got me to start asking my mom, "Hey, mom, what what stuff were you listening to when you came up with?" And she like told me about like a child called Quest, Black Moon, like all these different people, uh, De La Soul, and uh, and even De La Soul. I heard them on a video game, and I used to always love that type of music. And but I would just be like, "It's old school." But uh, yeah. when my mom told me this, it gave me like uh more access to that world that I felt like was uh kind of hidden. And it's it's kind of funny because uh around this time that's when Joey Bat um Joey Badass came out and like he was starting to rap on like uh with a uh, more boom bappy sound yeah and, yeah like, I like him <laughs> yeah man it's like yo that's crazy I was finding out about CL Smooth and all them P Rock at the same time finding out about Joey Badass and yeah. uh, that was helping me like yeah
0: man it was like another. It's, it's that's one thing that's funny about um, because I'm like, you know, I'm in that era of hip hop, and when when drums started disappearing in hip hop a little bit and they started being faded to the background, I'm like, wait a minute, where are you, where are you going with those? And it, like I never really got it. Was I told Concept, it was some of his music that you know the drums aren't as central to his production that sort of helped me kind of get my mind around why that stuff can be dope. And I, because I, I love his stuff, but like, um, yeah, I whenever I hear somebody modern who still has the you know, I'm like, yeah, give me, give me that all day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's the essence. Yeah, Man.
0: it is. Um, so you mentioned what? Do you, what? What are? What are some of your favorite museums that you've been to? Just for anybody who might be traveling or might be going to any of these cities, what? What are ones Man, you really I'll recommend?
1: I'll tell y'all, like, uh, if you ever go to Dallas, there's a hidden, like, you never know. There's so many Andy Warhol, Jackson Pollocks um, in Dallas for sure. And then try to like look outside and see where they're at like within that area. Um, my favorite in L.A. the Broad it's a free museum that you can go in and you'll see like a lot of these contemporary um artists that we know of like Lichtenstein. You'll see the Basquiat. Um, I want to say um they have like a yeah they have so many artists in there. uh Mirakami they have a couple of his pieces in there, and then just even other artists and uh yeah and then definitely when you're in New York um see the MoMA and then I want to say it's that new one downtown I wanted I think it's the brand but it's a new one downtown that's really nice um yeah the MoMA it's so it's like probably seven floors and they have one floor just dedicated to Picasso sculptures like oh my god it's amazing so
0: yeah so it's funny you mentioned moving around a lot. How much do you think that influenced, you know, your cuz obviously you're leaving people behind when you leave, but you're taking your art with you. Was there how how did that play into your development as an artist?
1: That's that's the um that's the funny thing that I think about a lot, but um let's say when I was in DC, that was when I first started uh kind of performing at shows and like uh I actually had my first club performance when I was like 17 in uh dc at the velvet lounge so like i was starting to get that access but then when i did um i had to like wrench and i well i'll say i wasn't really it wasn't like dc was messing with me it was just rare opportunities that i was attaining whereas like when i got to new orleans it seemed like it was more um people actually like being like yo who is this dude and like seeing me perform and like actually bob actually connecting the thing that uh I kind of would have wanted to see for myself when I was coming up in D.C., I was starting to see in New Orleans. And uh because of the development of Instagram and all that, um the people who had been following me from high school had been seeing me do the stuff in D.C. too. So, like, when I would come back home, like, I would be meeting new people who would start to, like, be seeing that too. So I was like, all right, well, now I have a D.C. and New Orleans-based but I, I kind of was seeing it like that, but kind of not because Instagram wasn't really what we know it for today. It wasn't really like that. Wasn't a good until tool for it
0: wasn't really a great tool for music in the beginning.
1: Yeah, but but I'll I'll say that didn't stop us from like uh, the people I was with from like utilizing it for music and like showing our face when we're performing or putting flyers up. But I'll say the one time that it really hit me was when I I moved to um Jacksonville to live with my aunt and uh it was funny because this dude had been following me like easy or something and i reached out to him for like a photo shoot and like yeah we did this photo shoot and he was like yeah bro i'll be seeing all that stuff that y'all be doing in new orleans and i was like what like you're in florida like you're in jacksonville florida like i'm not famous like you know i'm not like i think i think i'm building something but for him to stamp it was like all right this is definitely happening like let's uh let's keep uh like and that's when I started kind of being more attentive to put in the location like yeah bro like because you may have met me in New Orleans but I'm not in New Orleans no more so yeah. get that off your mind I'm in I'm in LA now and like uh and like get and get that off your mind I'm in Oakland right now like you know and like even showing when I'm going back and forth and uh and I'll say that uh When I got to LA, um, it was kind of funny because I started seeing people from my DMV journey coming to travel to LA, starting to see people from New Orleans traveling to LA or living in LA uh, because I went to college in New Orleans. So some of the people I went to college with also moved to LA before me and like some moved after. And uh, I was like, all right, this is cool because now like that you guys are coming here, meeting with me y'all still probably making the pilgrimage back to where I once was. So you can probably spread the story and everything. And uh, like of what maybe what just happened or whatever. And it's not like, I'm like, yo, bro, create this narrative. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I know, I know I always study hip hop. I know this happens, you know? And like, uh, I just be mindful while I'm, while this is happening. Or like uh, some of, I remember uh, when I found out, like, this girl Marisa lived in LA and she speaks Spanish, so I got her on this song and she's she's rapping in Spanish and everything. But she also went to school with me, and like uh, people don't even know about that song because I haven't put it out. But it's like, imagine in the future when I do, and they're like, oh dang, like that's that's crazy. And uh, yeah. and uh, I've been kind of like I guess that of these people traveling back and forth. And then me also, when I travel to these spaces, I kind of connect with people who I've met with in the, who I've known in the past. And uh, that kind of goes back to, it's funny, I just saw a concept two weeks ago. Um, And so um, he like, he was in the studio and uh, he brought his people from San Antonio with him. I also invited one of my friends to the studio and he went to high school with me, but he lives in LA. So like uh it kind of it continues to um yeah. bring this to life. Yeah.
0: It's sort of like you went on like a tour, like you know, did like a tour across the country, but you did it really slowly. <laughs> like yeah. and you just like have time to like really get settled in city and you go, all right, well, don't forget about me because um I'm still moving on. But I mean that's awesome. It's that's I'm sure you pick up so much along the way too. And it is funny, um I think it's a good reminder, too, that if that every city really culturally is very different and crowds in different cities are very different. And it's just a reminder that the people that if they're discouraged about what's happening in the open mic in their own town, there is a much bigger world out there. And like the the, the people that are at you you have to get out and, and see as much of it as possible, and perform in front of as many different crowds as possible, big, large, you know, different things. And that's the way you're going to develop as an artist, you know.
1: Look, look, Master P, Um, everybody knows him for, like, selling mistakes out of the trunk. But they don't know, like, uh, this man was from New Orleans, lived in the Bay, and then, like, connected with hella people in the Bay, like, people who are already on the scene. And saw so what they were doing was, like, oh, yeah, let's, uh, that works. Like, yeah. let's continue to cultivate this. Then went back to his hometown and, like, got them to be on the same stuff and like now he has Cali and the south you know and then when Bowdy Bowdy comes out now yeah. now this opportunity for like all these random people who don't know about Master P in real life they only know this this song like now they can spread it to all their friends in Cali like and now and they're some of their friends probably from Arizona so like now yeah. it hits like in and, and they don't know he also in the meantime, selling them CDs out the trunk, he would be going to different cities. And it's like, you can meet like 15 people in each city that you go to. And now you have a minor base that you can probably come back and do a show. Like, um, and I, I kind of started to see that around like 2017, like, uh, and just like connecting. I started connecting with people who I knew in different cities, like me and Concept and this other dude, Taylor, we all linked up uh, when we went to Colorado and, like, uh, shot a video and everything. And that was dope because it's like, bro, i met Concept in New Orleans and I don't live there no more. But we still connected. And he lived in Maryland, too. So, yeah, it just kind of all connects.
0: That Master P example, sort that's a good one because it, it sort of explains something, too. But when Master P was, when No Limit was really out and going hard, they were releasing so many albums and they were all selling it. Ton. and it was almost like you you would never see an independent hip-hop label that would put out that much music and and get that sort of response and that def- what you just said definitely explains it is that he had done the groundwork to make sure that that when he went national with his music the people w- were ready to buy it
1: you know yeah and and that's that's basically it man because uh as i've been going around it's like uh yeah, like it's some people in New Orleans that, like, let's say me and my, my roommate is also from New Orleans. We know, we know they good. They, they, they out there in New Orleans, though. Like, you know, like it's not like somebody in LA, like, if I mention their name, it's not, I'm not trying to knock it. Like, it is those rare kids. Like, one time out, last time I was in LA, I saw somebody wearing uh one of my, my, uh, somebody I know shirts and everything. But it's not like the average person I just meet on the street is going to know. Hey, if I say this name, they're gonna know who that person right. is, and so like, uh, it's like, how do you, how do you make that happen? Like, you know, how do and that's kind of what I've always uh thought of as I've been traveling, but I've only seen that as a result of traveling. Right.
0: And it's like you have to be kind of relentless because there are people that are on like, you know, national, like on like an NBC sitcom at like eight o'clock and they can walk through an airport and no one's going to notice them because it's like there's so many people now it's like it's what it takes it's like there's a, there's way more celebrities than there used to be but but like you know i i could be sitting next to you on a plane some guy that's hosted 900 episodes of an hgtv show that i've never seen and i have no idea it's like you know
1: exactly it's like how do you uh stick out especially when somebody say like oh i got 20k people looking at me but it's like, bro, what does that mean, though? Yeah. Like, you know, because uh, are they all like actually interacting and involved with you every single day, telling people about you every day? Because if it's 20 people, 20K people, even 2000 people like telling people about you, about you every day, that's right. definitely going to um make you one of those household names because it's going to only continue. It's like the law of exponential growth. And that's something that I definitely um I I see that I see how that's played out in hip hop, but only because um we are at the time where I can watch a documentary and see like this artist journey, this artist journey, that artist journey. See how they connect. Yeah. Like even uh, Master P was on Tupac tours, son. Huh? So like that's that's again you you that's how why you kind of rose above these other artists who were also doing what you were doing, but. But you know, it's just a little sm- snippet of history that you gotta like, I don't know. I just kind of like I just try I think that that's pretty important if you if if that's what you want though, like you know, if you want to actually be a um, I don't know, I'm not trying to say you gotta be an industry artist, but still, like if you want if you like to me, I do want people in Paris to be listening to like me and concept yeah. songs like that's I want that. Like, well, now now awesome. we live in
0: an age where you can be a successful independent artist without really having to be in the industry. It's like in, without having to like, have like a major label or anything like that. Because what do they even do for you? The, it's, it's, if you can be creative enough about getting your own with the word out there and, and people, doing it like face to face with people like you guys do is, is an amazing way to do it. And that's a, something a lot of people wouldn't bother to do. Um, that gives you a leg up like i, I we was talking i was talking to someone else about how like there's like a pyramid of like the bottom is like everybody who calls himself a rapper which you don't even have to like buy a microphone to call yourself a rapper you know and then above yeah. that's the level of people who's ever written a song and there's people who ever gotten on stage ever gotten paid to be on stage and as you go up the, the pyramid gets smaller and what happens is like the longer you go at it the more other people just give up and yep. if and it's like and you just just not giving up and actually doing the work to, to meet the people face to face like like one person that you're talking about that actually will spread the word of you is worth 1000 people hitting a follow button if they don't actually care about you yeah and so exactly. many people spend the time trying to get those thousand people instead of making that one connection it's i think what it you guys doing some... makes a lot of sense
1: i used to live in that because again um i i, I like went to high school when instagram came out and like uh seeing other people popping, I'm like, dang, bro, like, you have to be, so, like, a, a blog got to post you, a blog right. got to talk about you for you to be on or whatever, and then, I'm, and then when I'm in New Orleans, starting to have the Dolawan thing to where, like, other people are spreading this, and, like, I'm at a show, and I remember I said something about Dolawan, and when I got off stage, bro, it's like, oh, so you're the infamous Dolawan, I'm like, <laughs> bro, I never met you in my life, bro, but now I know his name, Calamity, you know, yeah. shout out to you, but still, it's like, how did you know about me without me putting in that minor energy. And that's kind of what you're saying It's that one person who probably showed or put it out there and that's really valuable. It's just that in maybe your era and the era that was before my time as an actual artist, you didn't see these interactions going on. And like, maybe as an artist, I'm able to see it. So I'm I'm willing to vocalize it and just let people know, yo, it's about these hand-to-hand connections. But like, uh, but yeah, I just think, yeah, it, it's, it's just kind of, you're right. Like as a, like in this era, you can't really be doing your thing and it doesn't really, you don't have to have a label really is unless, it, especially like a label. If you look at it, sometimes they're just funding you the money and like, right. <laughs> I don't, I'm not they're trying to take it. From... They're
0: essentially yeah, exactly. giving you a loan and it's, it's, yeah, it's absurd. I mean, yeah. they're giving you a loan and probably a car that you don't actually own so yeah actually I'm not, that, like, that rhyme I might go in with <laughs> song.
1: yeah but that's it that's basically um yeah that's my look on everything I, I study the game to play the game yeah
0: yeah hey man um all right man well it's been a pleasure talking to you any uh parting thoughts you want to leave us with here anything that we didn't miss on that, you want, that we didn't hit on that we want to talk about or well
1: yeah I'll, I'll just uh man uh I guess I can say that uh if you guys happen to like keep in tune with me um, throughout this year, I'm going to try to continue developing this character and I will be doing like more like a merchandise drops with Dola one. Um, Like along with the papers, we have like our hats and like other, other physical products. And uh, I'm wanting to do like, just reach out with more of the artists that are within my community, because at the end of the day, um like how Basquiat and Fab Five Freddy all those other people that you talked about that I may not know of um that because their thing didn't touch me necessarily like uh we can do that right now and like uh and especially we we don't have to do that and and say that we're doing that for a clout or doing that for fame we could just do that because this is what we're passionate about and like uh i i feel like uh yeah i just feel like it's a lot of power and letting y'all know that we can actually do this um right now because i'm kind of seeing like i've i've happened to see a lot of my friends become in a space that i would call it successful whether it's like tyler the creator retweeting somebody and i'm and i randomly see it while i'm on the timeline seeing my friend on on the on like you know like uh so i'm just saying we can actually do this it's just uh continue like uh collaborating and celebrating each other while we're here and like uh actually get taking time to understand each other's art because yes. uh yeah it's just really uh that that's probably how we can also just talk about it to the next person too. Maybe maybe we may like somebody's stuff so much, but we just don't have the tools to be able to like to um articulate about it. So you know yeah that's one thing um and I'm gonna continue doing that especially like this year and that's something that people may know me to do um but i'm gonna continue doing it for sure
0: It's funny that's sort of one of the reasons i started this podcast is that I didn't, I found that I didn't have enough time to talk to artists and I wasn't being introduced to new stuff. So I figured if I had people pick a topic that would force me almost like homework to like, you know, homework you like doing, but like to actually learn stuff that was outside of what I was into. Like I knew Basquiat, yeah, but like I've learned so much more about him in the past week. And it's like, that's a gift to me. And then having an opportunity to talk to somebody like you who has a totally different perspective and experiences for me is like that enriches my whole experience of working on art. So it's, I really appreciate you being on.
1: Yeah, no problem. And I appreciate this. And uh, shout out to Concept. Keep doing, doing concept. your thing, bro. Like, uh, yeah. honestly, that man, uh, one day he found me on Instagram and was like, hey, bro, do uh, do you, do you um, I want to link with you, get some papers. And then he was like, do you want to set up at this event? And that started my whole thing of meeting so many creative people in New Orleans and going to different shows and doing all this type of stuff. So really shout out to you, bro. Like, and I want yeah. the world to continue knowing that. No matter where we at, bro, this not Instagram no more, bro. Like this real life, like, and I want you to, I want you to have your flowers, bro. Like,
0: yeah, man. Um, I, I, it's yeah. funny, like, I, I know there's only 24 hours in my day. I don't know how many hours are in Concept's day, because like, no matter when I message him, he writes me back in like two minutes. And he seems like I just keep seeing these flyers go up, and I'm like, you are doing that show too, you're doing that show too. And I'm just like, I'm tired just looking at it. yeah, <laughs> I'm just so <laughs> impressed by things. all you guys. And it's like I'm so happy to start to work with you guys on different things and um it's uh been a great experience. It's very inspiring. so
1: it's nice meeting you and yeah, uh, well, and, you know, and uh i I guess I'll say, man, just keep uh, leading the culture it seems. Really really into um so many different things and I'll, I'll stay tuned
0: i appreciate it man all right peace
1: yeah yeah i think we get to a point in our life where uh we have an equal balance of things you know <laughs> we got like everything this we want and, and we also got everything we don't want <laughs> it's an equilibrium <laughs> you heard Never reached a point where you too smart to learn. Wouldn't be a dready snoop without the flag and perm. Banging east side, smoking on the best high. Wouldn't be me. If it wasn't for that West High, wouldn't be me if it wasn't for that too short. Really feel like Biggie on that plane I took to New York. Smoke a blown on no strap just to watch the time pass. Think about New Orleans like my nigga, fuck a wine glass. Confidence high and my ends all low. Need you around cause you helped me quote. When it went down, seem you need me most. I'm alright, I'm just scared of ghosts. If I call you gang, that just mean we close. Olden time, we like free my folk. Roll that down, you. My bro, he a living legend. If you know, you know. Rest in peace, That's on my soul. Memories we shared, don't know, one, no one know. Think about it all while we're on this road. Give a fuck about the fame when my whole team goes. on oh my girl, but you get no mm-mm Mmmmmmmmmmmmmmmmm. Up all night, we smoke, we smoke. You think that college chain?